All right. Psalms 85 and 6. We're going to put that up there. We'll read that. David writes here, Will thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? It takes the Spirit of God to revive people. Nothing else in this world would do it. No mechanicalism, nothing but the Spirit of God. It takes to revive us again. We find in Psalms 86 and 6 says, Give ear, O Lord, unto my prayers. Attend to my voice of my supplication. Without the Spirit, Jesus says we can do nothing. We can't make a hair black or white. We can't make a statue one inch. It takes the Spirit of God. Prayer moves the arm of God which moves the world when we pray and pray. Disciples rose up early in the morning and got up and went to look for Jesus. They couldn't find him. They eventually found him in a secret place praying. There he was praying. And they said, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. That's why we have to have the Holy Spirit to teach us to pray. He's the one that helps us to pray and shows us what to pray about. And then they said, teach us to pray as John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray. It was the rabbi's responsibility to teach his disciples to pray. So it's Jesus' responsibility to teach us to do what? Pray. So we're going to be, not only we're praying people, we're going to increase our prayers. Ask us, he didn't say teach, teach us how to preach. And revival is not going to come from any organization. It's not going to come from any preacher. It's going to come from the Spirit of God moving through people. Nobody has a monopoly on it. Some of the greatest revival that's ever broke out, one of them was in a country where a guy, an elder guy was a blacksmith. He felt the need. and He closed his shop up every day at noon and began to pray until that nation was changed. Prayer moves God that will change nations. It's more than just having a revival. God wants to heal the land. And what it takes something to do to heal the land. The study of all revivals, you'll find it started with what? Prayer. Someone was praying. Suzanne Wesley had 17 children. She taught her children from the Bible. She found time to pray at least one hour every day. Jesus asked Peter, James, and John at the Garden of Gethsemane, could not you tarry with me and pray just one hour? Just one hour. She found time out of raising 17 children how to pray one hour a day. And you might have heard of some of her children, Charles Wesley and John Wesley. So if we want success with God, we must do what? You got to pray. You got to have a spirit of prayer. Jesus last night on earth, knowing the next step with the Garden of Gethsemane and then the cross. 
the first thing he did on the last night on his earth, he pulled off his garments and put on a slave clothes and knelt down and washed the disciples' feet. Jesus said, the word says, you're washed by the word of God. It was the word that was washing their feet, Jesus. Humility. We'll come to that again in a minute. Humility tracks the presence of God. Pride drives away the presence of God. So Jesus humbled himself and washed their feet, leaving us an example to humble ourselves before God. Humility is a wonderful thing in the sight of God. Have humility. In the book of Acts, he said he added to the church daily. He added to the church daily. We find a country in China. They have addition to the church, a Pentecost church, 25,000 people every day. Dr. Cho started his church at the end of World War II. He said what changed South Korea was the missionaries coming to Korea after World War II teaching to pray. He started praying. He started asking for 10,000 people to be added to the church weekly. Every week, 10,000 people were born in the church because he asked. Today, his church is over one million people. He said there's churches in South Korea that's in the hundreds of thousands of people, of Pentecostal people, and God's adding to the church daily. In his church, there's a minimum of 50,000 people praying day and night in Prairie Mountain, praying for the world. We're not only to pray for our community and our family, we're to pray for the world. Jesus gave commission to all nations, all nations to hear the gospel and the wonderful blessings of God to make them free. And whom the Lord is set free or made free is free what? You're free indeed when the Lord makes you free. The book of Judges, if you studied it, you'll notice they reached the peak of revival. Let's just take Gideon. When Gideon died, what happened? They fell down to the lowest you could go, back into sin. But God reached down and raised up another person. It is God's will to raise up people when the church or the world falls down, began to pray and bring them back up. You know, you, if you'll get a chart, you can see that, how God is doing how many believe that God is going to change things? Don't look how bad it is. China has over 60 million Pentecostal people being born every day, as we said, 28. One of the worst conditions in the world is China and also Russia. They're walking as much as 30 miles one way to hear the gospel and revival. Some riding in a wagon 200 miles to hear the gospel. Because God, in the worst of conditions, He said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. 
All the darkness in the world can't stop the revival. It can't stop the anointing of God. When we pray, God begins to move. Tutu Bismarck in Zimbabwe, he said the church should always live in a continuous revival. Dr. Cho says the same thing. The church should always be living in a constant revival because how many know there's lost souls all around us? There's people that need God all around us, and that's why we tremendously need a move of God every time we come together for souls that's lost and undone without God when we pray. Heidi Baker is in Mozambique. Both of those countries, Mozambique and also Zimbabwe, is some of the poorest countries on the face of this earth. They have to pray every day diligently to get one meal. Just one meal. Her goal is to reach one million people before she dies, before she goes home. She's got a burning desire. She says to love like fire. God set our soul afire of the things of God. There's already a spirit of revival in this church. Some has already bought them some books some time ago and they started reading and praying about a revival. We may be surprised who it comes to. I was reading a book written by Robert Morris of Gateway Church. He said there is no mega churches in America. There's not any. He got a huge church. But said when there's none in America, he said I've been to countries and sat on the platform with people their church reached in the hundreds of thousands of people. And it was all because of what? You ought to shout it out. Prayer. To pray. If my people will pray, repent of their sins, turn from their wicked ways, I will heal the land. Things will turn around when the church repent of our sins, judgmental, fault-finding, backbiting. When Jesus entered the temple, he drove the wicked things out of the temple. When Jesus comes into our hearts, he drives out things in our hearts that should not be in our hearts. And he takes up bold there. But when the devil comes back and finds that empty house, he enters in again. So we must have power after the Holy Ghost come upon us. Because Jesus has come into this temple. He's cleansed it and drove it all out and placed his blood inside the temple. The blood of Jesus is vitally important in our life. The word used cleansing means he's constantly in your life cleansing you of what's wrong in your life. Some say, well, I got no sin. John said, he that saith he has no sin is a liar, and the truth is not in him. And he that hides his sin from God will never progress. David sinned. Saul sinned. Saul was not forgiven. You find this in 1 Samuel. Because he hid his sin. He wanted Samuel to walk with him in front of the crowd. Let them know or feel that he'd committed no sin. But he committed a sin. But David wrote Psalms 51. He committed a sin. But he wrote, let the whole world know. It's not good to let the world know your sin, but if you've got a private sin between you and God, 
you need to repent to him. David let the whole world know that he's him. We talk about, and I've talked about him, but I do not intend no more about the preachers of old like Abraham. He spent, Haram spent many wasted years. But you notice God said, I am the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I don't care who your brothers and sisters are. They may make mistakes, but they're still the son and the daughter of the king. And that's the way we ought to look at everybody. They are sons and daughters of the king. They may have faults and failures, but they're still the sons and the daughters of the king, and they belong to God. So we need to pray to give salvation to the people. The wonderful blessings of God. Praying. One of the greatest revivals that ever broke out is the Moranian revival. The Holy Spirit fell on the small children. It's wonderful to see children baptized. Small children receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. When they received the Holy Ghost, they prophesied. And they prayed with such great power, the Holy Ghost fell on them so strong that tears run down their eyes and they tried to wipe them away. That's why revival is not always going to come from the pulpit. Huh? Evan Robin shook wells. He was just a little over 20 years old. He was a coal miner, had never read nothing but the Bible, and he couldn't hardly read. But when he stepped in the pulpit and said, let's pray, the Holy Ghost would fall, and people would fall out on the floor under the anointing of God and the Spirit of God upon them mightily. Because it comes from God. That's where it has to come from. It's from God, a revival. The revival of these things, these little children praying, the blessings of God. And the Bible said he was to visit the Gentiles, meaning all nations. And John the Revelator looked over in heaven. Chapter 7 and verse 9. After God told him in verse 4, said, come up hither. I want to show you some things which is to come. Which is to come. The Gentile church is never mentioned again after Revelation 4. It is believed that the representation of the resurrection of the Gentile church, and I know there's three different versions on where the church is going to go through the tribulation, go through half of it, and some of them not going through none of them. I don't know who is right all I know, but what it says right here in Revelation 7, what John the Revelator saw, he saw a number. He said, I behold a great number which no man could count. A number of all nations, all kindred, all people, and all tongues. God is the God of all of this world. Russia may be a lot of things, but I tell you something else. God is in Russia today working mighty things in the kingdom of God. He's in China regardless of what they're accusing her of. I don't know whether that's true or not. But I know there's a God up there that's healing people's lives and setting things in order and the wonderful blessings of God. He has no respect to person. He looks on the heart of a person. That's where he looks. He saw a great number. Hudson Taylor was a missionary to China. Hundreds of years ago, he helped establish probably what's going on there today. The writer said, said I've attended churches in Oakland, California, 
with the apostles and information in India and China. And I've seen the miraculous power of God moving everywhere. They said in the redeemed church in Nigeria, you can't walk five minutes and not run into a Pentecostal church where there's a revival going on. Because God is getting ready to come back to this earth. I don't know when, but He's coming. Some people say, well, I don't know where I believe that or not. Genesis 3, the prophecy went forth. There would be a man would come. His heel would be bruised while he was crushing Satan's head. 4,000 years later it happened. We're in the 6,000 years of the coming of the Lord. He will come at the end of the 6,000 years. No man knows. Let's talk a little bit about David. He bring the ark home. All the years the ark was lost, Saul never had a desire for the anointing. The ark represented the presence of God. Saul had no desire for the presence of God. Come along, David. David's name means new beginning. New beginning. He went and get the ark and he bring it home. He made a mistake, but he sought God and God told him how to do it, to bring the ark home. And he went and followed God's instructions. And this is what God told him to do. Listen to this. Every six steps, he gave pieces of meat to all of those who participated. He gave wine, he gave bread, he anointed with oil, which means the Holy Ghost. And every six steps, they took time to dance. To dance. This is what he's giving them. It is believed that's what's going to happen at the end of this age, and we are at the end of the age. They're running to and fro, doing this and doing that, like they was In the book of Genesis, Jesus said, As the coming of the Son of Man will be like it was in Noah's day. They'll be eating and drinking and running to and fro. But the Bible said, And God told Ark, told Noah to make an ark, which represents the presence of God, how to save his whole family. And I want you to notice this. And then the heavens open, the floodgates of heaven open, and water fell from heaven. For 40 days, the water represents the Holy Ghost. We're getting into position the six years or six steps. 6,000 years is coming to the end. And God is going to bring a greater governmental order to this world of a new beginning. Now watch this. David did not carry the ark back to Shiloh where the Philistines stole it from. He carried it to Zion, which means the church. Zion is the church. Get ready for some new things to come. The new anointing is not its going to come like we never witnessed before. Because God is setting up a new governmental order. He used David a new beginning. Listen, he didn't take it back to Shiloh where it came from. Glory to God. You can't go back where you used to be. You're going to have to learn how to go forward where the anointing is, is in Zion, is in the church. is in the body of Christ. When Christ poured out his spirit, Upon us. 
Glory to God. A new beginning is taking place. Something new is happening in this world. In this world. It says a lone individual can become a son of thunder and can reshape the human landscape and change the destiny of a generation. One person. Just one person praying. We won't go through those where we're just one change thing. Time and again, ordinary people have changed things. Revival prevents war. It stops wars. Revival stabilizes society. Revival empty jails. You remember the four films we watched many years ago? When this black couple was going to go to the mission fields and the organization wouldn't let them go because so many failures had been there and they'd run off the missionaries and they said, we won't support you. They said, we'll go along by ourselves. You remember that? And they got over there and began to pray. And a witch doctor, a woman came, was going to drive this couple out of town like she'd done before. But because they was praying, God drove her out of town. The power is not ours. The power belongs to God. But the power comes through us. Without us, he can't do it. He needs us to pray. And when we pray, we'll see things change. I'm not saying we don't pray. It'll change the whole thing, the situation. America had a revival that changed the world in 1735. They had another one in 1800, had another one in 1857, had another one in 1904. There has not been a revival since 1904. How many believe it's time for a revival? It's time for a mighty move of God. It's time for the Spirit of God to move in such a way. These liquor stores will close up. You worried about all these stores opening up liquors? I tell you, a revival will stop that because won't nobody have a desire to go get it. Amen? There was this woman. Her husband was an alcoholic. She'd done everything she could to get him to stop, and he wouldn't. She started praying to God what to do, what to do. She didn't know what to do. One morning, he stopped at a liquor store to get him a drink before he went to work. And he was so bitter, he couldn't drink it. And he got on to the bartender trying to poison him. He said, I'm not done poisoning you. He went to the next one, the same thing, the next one. And after a while, he realized that it was God. You know, it's God that brings attention to mankind. It's God that seeks and to save. It's God that draws people to him. The blessings of God. We're on the brink of the greatest revival that the world has ever witnessed. Because it's revival before the Lord comes. Some said, well, I know people tell me that well, I've heard that all my life and I don't believe it. I hadn't seen it happen. Well, I've heard it too. The same one said that, probably heard all their life that Jesus was going to be born, but he wasn't born until 4,000 years later. We're 6,000 years down the road, but it's coming. I don't know when. I've had two people my age, one of them is in Tennessee and one of them is in San Antonio, tell me, the Lord has revealed to me I will be alive when he comes. That couldn't be too long off. 
We don't know what hour come. A governmental rule is taking place. In the book by Pat Thompson, uh, Johnson, Operation World, he said 700 million people had been baptized with the Holy Ghost during the 20th, the 20th century. Yet in spite of this wonderful news, all the blessings it has brought unto humanity, God's people still do not have dominion upon the earth. Satan is still in control. In large measures, he rules. And he lists some of the things, and you, I think you'll have to agree with this. He ruled the money world. That's why the Bible said, and the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. We're going to see anointing of much money coming to the church to help to evangelize this world. It's not the money to make us rich, to make, us, to make our lifestyle better. It's to bless the church and know how to use it to carry the gospel further than it's ever been carried before. What it says in the book of Deuteronomy, it's 28. You shall what? Lend and not what? Borrow. Heard John Olstein, my big brother Don was down there at that meeting one time. He said he's had churches come to them, their church. They're going to the bank to borrow money. And he said, God's not will for you to borrow money. You come to this church and I'll let you have what you need. That's God's plan for the wealth of the wicked to be given to the church. We got people that's over $200 billion worth in America. We got people fixing to get on a, one of these space things that's costing over a billion dollars. Can you imagine? You're taking a little short ride and paying a billion dollars for that ride. God is saying he's going to bring that money to the church where he can help evangelize the world. You're the head and what? You're above and what? Brother Ken, I love what you said this morning. If we ever get a hold of what God has given us and what God has available for us and put it into action, I tell you, we'll see a miraculous change like we've never seen before. David, if you read about David, he financed the building of the temple that Paul built. I mean, Solomon built. It is estimated that he gave $55 billion in our currency today to build the temple out of his own treasury. That's how much he was worth. He was worth more than that. He gave away $55 billion to build the temple. So the wonderful things of God. We're going to see the political arena changed. You're already hearing people that's lining up to run in for political office. And I know what some people say, well, Christians ought not to be in a political office. I'll tell you that, that's one of the things wrong now. We need Christians in political office. We need Christians in the political places. We need Christians sitting on places where they can understand the times and know what to do and what we're doing in them. That's what a revival will do. There's people right now that's lining up to run in 22. Christians. One of them is Herschel Walker. I think he lives in Houston. He's already, they've already run enough, whatever you call it, 
what? Polls that he would win Georgia if he would run for a Senate race or a Congress race. He's trying to make up his mind to move back to Georgia. The list is endless. There's people lining up running for school. What? School board had never thought about running before. What they're seeing is a change in our school system and the only way they're going to change it for us to pray. I may not run and you may not run, but we can pray that God will move on somebody to move in there and stress Christian values. How many know why prayer was taken out of school? What? Come on, somebody tell me. It wasn't one woman because the church didn't pray. If we will pray, God will move that out. I was at a conference in Austin. The crusade was Austin go to heaven. The mayor of Austin was a woman. She came and spake, spoke one night. Madeline O'Hara had showed up for one of the meetings there in Austin. She stood up and protested prayer. The mayor called the guard, said, usher her outside where she won't be offended because we're going to pray. What we have to do is rise up and be bold in this land and this day we're in and be sure we're getting the right people in the right office to stand up and say what God wants them to say. Praise God. The early church loved not their lives unto death. As Ken pointed out in his Sunday school lesson this morning. It didn't matter if they died or lived, really. Like a lady was going to church and her husband didn't go to church. And he said, you're not going tonight. She said, yes, I am. He went and got a gun, stuck it up to her head, said, what are you going to do now? I said, you pull the trigger, I'm going to heaven. If you don't pull the trigger, I'm going to church. You got to be bold. He went to church with us and got the Holy Ghost. Don't underestimate the power of God. They may, may seem mean and cruel and ugly, but I tell you, there's a God up there that's got a hold of their heart. They may be acting ugly on the outside, but there's a God working on the inside, changing that heart, changing their life for his glory and for his honor. Revive us, O oh God. Hear my prayers. Hear my supplication. Hear my problems. The list goes on what it will change when you have governmental rule and order that is tended by God. Isaiah 19, I mean 9, 6, and 7. The government shall be upon his shoulder and of the increase of his government is peace and there shall be no end. If these men they weren't old men. If you read this, it tells their ages. They were young men. When you get my age, nearly everybody's young. I look out across there, I don't see no old people. I see young people. Hmm? But some of them was in their 20s. Some of them was in their 30s. Knowing when they signed this against the king, what would happen to them. And all of them died a horrible death. Because they want to see a nation that's free from the rule of mankind. Our constitution is set up 
from the Bible to make men free naturally. But only God can make you free spiritually. What a nation we have that God rose up these people to do that. I watched a documentary the other day and they interviewed three people. One of them was a Chinese. She was from China. She's legally here. One of them is from Iran, a woman. She's legally here. And the man was from um, Venezuela. He's legally here. He said, I, they, they all pretty well said this, I cannot understand what's happening in America. I can't understand, the man said, the college I attend listened to men running down America. All they need to do is spend a little while in Venezuela and see what socialism is. All they got to do, the lady said, is spend a little time in Iran and see what they're trying to bring here. And the girl from China said, if you'd have lived in China like I did, you would see how much freedom and liberty you have in America. Amen. So don't worry. That's right. Don't, don't, don't worry. God got it in his hand. He gave Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, told Nebuchadnezzar now, they didn't burn in that far, seven times harder. They didn't burn in that far. Now you give them a promotion. The one that's against you the worst is the one that can give you the biggest promotion. That's the plan of God. Daniel served under four dynasties, four kings, and every one of them gave him a promotion. They was evil and wicked. But Daniel was serving God, and God had them in his hand. He had the king in his hand. He'd make him give him promotion when he even didn't want to. God bless you for being here today. You're going to have a wonderful day in the Lord. This is the 4th of July. Rejoice. What is it? You're supposed to have what? Hot dogs? Huh? What? Apple pie and ice cream. What a good 4th of July. Lord bless you in the name of Jesus Christ. Go your way in his name. Amen.